again. Man, it is good to be here this morning. I am excited for uh, what we're going to learn today, what we're going to pull from God's Word. But before I uh, jump into the message, a couple of announcements. Uh, first, if you are a first-time guest, please uh, grab a bag in the back. Uh, it's a gift from us to you. And uh, let us know you were here by going to LifeChurchUtah.com. Uh, that way we can keep in touch with you. Um, tithes and offerings, if you have any gifts that you would like to give, back in the back at the kiosk, you can give there uh, or at LifeChurchUtah.com. And then, unfortunately, because of unforeseen events, tonight's prayer meeting is being pushed again. Um, so hopefully uh, coming next uh, Sunday, we will have our, our prayer meter meeting happening at 5 p.m. And then, as you know, we have our Trunk or Treat uh, coming up on October 30th. Right now we are accepting donations of candies and uh, volunteers to, to help us put, pull this uh, off on the 30th. So if you, you want to give any candy, and as I mentioned, um, people, parents are going away from candy and doing like little trinkets and stuff. It was funny, I had one of the little girls come up to me last week and she's like, I don't want school supplies I want candy so don't tell people to bring those things I want candy I understand I get it that's what I would want too um, so candy uh, whatever you would like to give above and beyond your, your, your tithes we have the box back there uh, by the the door uh, please give there and we have sign up sheets in the back for uh, part uh, uh, areas to help serve in and then we have also back there, uh, Tiffany put together these little cards that uh, you can grab a few and hand them out to your neighbors. Uh, and we're planning right now to print up some more and then kind of canvas the neighborhood around the church and personally invite people. So uh, we're looking at doing that the Saturday before uh, the event, which was the 24th. We're still working out details, but just wanted to put that on your radar. Uh, it's these little things that help us connect with the people in our community, let them know that we're here, uh, let them know that we, we love them and uh, want to serve them. So get involved with them. They're really fun. We, we've had a good time doing the, the backpack giveaway and helping 180 Ministries, and now we have this opportunity. So this marks the last week in our study on the book of Galatians, and for me, it's kind of hard to believe we are in week 11. We've done this series for 11 weeks. And today's message is just as important as the previous 10. But I wanted to go back and look at all of our takeaways from the last 10 weeks, uh, the, the little key uh, truths that we pulled out of each message. So the very first week, we learned that there is no heart so hard that Jesus can't soften it. That we, we learned about Paul and who he was and how he was so hard-hearted. But God was able to get a hold of, of him, soften his heart. And he, instead of being a persecutor of the church, was a great catalyst in building and moving the church forward. And then we learned that, uh, I encourage you, don't be persuaded to give away your freedom 
in Christ, that the world is constantly coming at us with what they would deem as good news and new truths, and that I can have my own truth, and that they're constantly encouraging us to give up our freedom in Christ. And then we learn that conflict is necessary to preserve truth, that Paul had to confront uh, Peter when uh, Jewish believers came in and started adding to what was needed for salvation, that it wasn't just great faith in Jesus, but they added following parts of the Jewish law. And Paul confronted Peter, and he said, this isn't okay. And, and that conflict preserved the truth that we need to stand up sometimes and, and be that voice and be that person that will stand for truth. And then we learn that life-giving freedom is only found in Jesus, that he is the only one that can give us that true freedom that he has promised. And then we learn that we need the spirit inside of us, that once we've invited Jesus to do life with us, he sends his spirit to empower us, to live with us, to help us live this new life in Christ. And then we learned that through adoption, God's promises become ours that God brings us into his family. He adopts us as his own, and the promises that were given to Israel are now ours. We have become co-heirs with Christ. And then we learn that our freedom is our opportunity to love one another through service. That it, my freedom, while I have the freedom to choose the life I want to live, it's not for me to gratify myself, but it's actually to love and serve other people. And then we learn that who we are led by determines the fruit we bear. That inside of us there's this duality where we want to please the sinful nature, the, the flesh, as the Bible calls it. And then we have the spirit and that they're at constant war with one another. And the one that we feed is the one that will show what fruit we bear. And we determined that we wanted to be a church that was a, a church that had the fruit of the spirit. And then we learn that through relationship, freedom and restoration are possible. That God gives us a unique role in helping other, be other believers who have fallen into sin, fallen into temptation to help restore them and bring them back to a right relationship with God. And then last week we looked at the character you desire is contingent on what you sow. That what we sow into us, we will reap. And that we need to be conscious of what it is we are sowing into our spirit. And, and I reference movies, music, uh, the company we keep, uh, those kind of things, the things we look at on social media. Those things are sowing into us. And if we are sowing the things of the world, we're sowing destruction. But if we sow the things of God's word and fellowship with believers and prayer, that we sow life and eternal life. And all of these things we encompassed in the one verse from Galatians 5.1 that says, For freedom Christ has set us free. Stand firm, therefore, and do not submit again to a yoke of slavery. That it's God's desire that we live in true freedom. Freedom from the weight of the law. Freedom from the weight of our shame, our guilt, the mistakes that we have made. That we would live in true freedom. Which leads us to where we're at today, but I want to tell you a story first. So, the question of my life, one that comes up more often, is how tall are you? The answer is 6'5", which is usually followed with, did you play basketball? 
As many of you know, yes, I did play basketball. In fact, I worked with this guy at Harmon's Grocery Store. He was seven feet tall, and he got the same question. How tall are you? Seven feet tall. Do you love, do you play basketball? No, I hate basketball. I want it. I'm like, man, if I could have just had your extra inches, I could have had a, a career as the basketball star I was dreaming of. But I did play basketball. I played basketball um, through junior high and into high school. And my parents, yeah, look at that guy. Um, I, uh, my parents had to have spent a small fortune on, no, I'll go back to the other picture. There we go. Um, uh, they, they must have spent a small fortune on my basketball career for how short-lived it was. I mean, between traveling and tournaments and shoes and jerseys, uh, we would go to Denver and do tournaments there. We would go to Las Vegas and do tournaments there. Uh, I did a basketball camp up at the University of Utah when Rick Majerus was the coach. And my, they, they invested a lot of time and energy into me playing basketball. In fact, I remember uh, there was a, a, a kid, his dad would always go, and they had the custom van the van with the captain's seats and the bench in the back, and they were the only one with the little TV. It was about, you know, 12-inch screen, but we all fought to ride with Bruce and his dad, and uh, I always got in there. So it was a lot, of, a lot of good memories. And once I hit junior high, I had decided that basketball was going to be my primary sport. I played baseball, but I think I was naturally gifted more towards basketball. Now... It took a long time for my coordination to catch up to my height. I was 6'5 by ninth grade. So I was spindly. I was, as you can see, I, I was a skinny kid. That was a, when I was a sophomore. Um, but my, I finally, it, it caught up and, and I started to, to gain some weight. Now I'm just weight and mass. <laughs> oh, but I remember um, there was... It's probably taboo today in today's world, but um, our coach before every game would have one of the, the captains choose somebody or nominate somebody to say a prayer before we would go out and take the court. So every game we would say a little prayer, and one of our, my close friends, he's like, I really don't think God cares who wins this basketball game. I don't think he's going to make anybody win or he's not... And, you know, I don't know how many people shared that same sentiment, but a part of me was like, well, he might help us play to our best ability and to stay injury-free and, and, and help us that way. But you, at the start of our season, you would have thought that God was completely against us because we were terrible. I mean, our first victory was against a, a 1A, the smallest school, Christian high school that had traveled up from, like, the middle of Utah. We had lost to everybody else. We, we barely beat them. In fact, I, I, our coach almost quit. We were that bad. Um, but we had spent so much time together developing, learning the system and stuff that it finally started to gel once we got into the regular season. And while we had a winning record, it wasn't that impressive. We were 13-9, uh, and nine, I believe it was. And we get to the state tournament. And here is our time and we had set this goal back before the season started we wanted to be state champions we wanted to do that's what we wanted to achieve 
And going into the tournament, we had no business believing that because of our record and how we had played. But we were coming off of this high. We had just beat our biggest rival, the Bingham Miners. And, ooh, how did we hate them? And, but, but we had beat them, and they were ranked in the top five in the state. So now we've got like, hey, if we can beat Bingham, why can't we go in and beat Jordan? So we went into the game, and we had every confidence. We went in, and we beat Jordan. They were a top five team in the state. We went on to play Cottonwood, another top five team in the state, and we beat them. And then we went on to Mountain View, another top five team in the state, and we beat them. And we get to the championship game, and we're playing the Brighton Bengals. And they had the McDonald's All-American uh, that was on the team, and he was, he was a stud. He dunked on me. It was embarrassing, but it was, it was cool for them. But all that matters is we get to the end of the game. I'm standing center court. I'm watching the clock count down, and it hits th three, two, one, zero, and we are the champions. We win 45 to 39. You can go ahead and go to that next slide. And so this was the spread in the yearbook from that year. And, uh, you know, we were able to, to boast that we were the champions. There was none better than us. We could boast in what we had achieved. We could boast in all the work we had put in because it had paid off. We were the best in the state. And this is a picture of our championship ring. And it's, it's kind of fun to, to look back and, and reminisce on it. But have you ever had anything in your life where you could boast about what your accomplishment was, about what you had achieved? Could you boast and give yourself all the credit for what you had done? Well, we did that day, and that's what we're going to be talking about today. What do I boast in? What can I boast in, or what should I boast in? And we'll finish out our study today on the book of Galatians with the final verses of Galatians, which is chapter 6, verses 11 through 18. And as I was putting this together, the, the simple thought came to me that if we should boast, may it be in the new life and freedom given by Jesus and His grace. That if we should boast, may it be in the new life and freedom given by Jesus and His grace. So let's read these verses. Verse 11. Notice what large letters I use as I write these closing words in my own handwriting. Those who are trying to force you to be circumcised are doing it for just one reason. They don't want to be persecuted for teaching that the cross of Christ alone can save. And even those who advocate circumcision don't really keep the whole law. They only want you to be circumcised so that they can brag about it and claim you as their disciples. As for me, God forbid I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, that cross, my interest in this world died long ago, and the world's interest in me is also long dead. It doesn't make any difference now whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we really have been changed into new and different people. May God's mercy and peace be upon all those who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Verse 17. From now on, don't let anyone trouble me with these things, for I bear on my body the scars that, I, that show I belong to Jesus. My dear brothers and sisters, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. 
Amen. Let's pray. Father, again, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that these principles that we learn when we apply them to our lives, your grace and your peace will be upon us. So I pray this morning that as we look at this principle, as we learn from your word that you would open our hearts and our minds to, to receive and to understand and our spirits to hear what you are saying. I pray that you would challenge us, but I pray also, Lord, that you would in inspire us to, to move forward and live out these principles. We love you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Now, Paul says, notice what large letters I use as I write these, close, these closing words. And some say that the, the emphasis, he's trying to add emphasis, that this is why he is writing in larger letters. Some speculate it was because Paul had bad eyesight, and it might be the reason that he used someone to write his letters. And that, that, that type of person they called uh, a manuousis, which is a literary or artistic assistant, in particular one who takes dictation or copies manuscripts. Now, this person, this, this doesn't take away from what Paul is saying, because Paul is still being inspired by the Holy Spirit. God is still speaking to him. He is simply saying it out loud, and someone else is writing it down. But at the end of this letter, Paul wants to bring emphasis by writing it in his own hand. And Paul, as we've learned, is addressing the false teaching that we already touched on a little bit about adding to what it takes to be saved, that you needed to follow the Jewish tradition of being circumcised. And, and Paul shares that the only reason that they are pushing this on you, the only reason they want you to be circumcised is because they don't want to be persecuted. They don't want to be persecuted that Jesus is the only way for salvation. And to me, this is interesting. Because doesn't the world around us want to accept that there is many ways to get to God? You know the old saying, all roads lead to Rome, all roads lead to God. But the truth of the matter is, there is only one way to God, and that is through Jesus. He says that the only way you can come to the Father is through me. And I encouraged us a few weeks ago, don't be persuaded to give away your freedom in Christ because that's what the world wants you to do. They want you to believe that you can have your own truth, that whatever I believe on the inside, even though it's contrary to God's word, is my truth, and that for that truth is truth. But it's not truth. There is only one truth, absolute truth out there, and his name is Jesus. And like I said, nobody comes to the Father except through him. And then he says they want to boast because you are their disciples. They want to be able to say that they are a part of their little group, their little clique. And it kind of seems like that's the way it is these days. Everybody's in their own little group, their own little clique, whether it, it be political or whether it be in high school or whether it be at work. Everybody's got this little, this little group. And we feel like we're more important when people join our little group. Now, some of you might say, isn't this just another little group? Isn't this just another little clique? I would say it can be mistaken for that. It has been that in the past for some churches. But I want to say, no, it is not a clique. 
because this is a family. This is a family that is adopted by God because of Jesus. We are a community that does life together, and we invite everyone to join. We are not exclusive. Everyone is welcome to join the family of God because it's God's desire that all should have eternal life, that none should perish. So no, we are not a clique. We are a family, a community of believers that pursue God and, and do life together. That's why I would encourage you with this again. If we should boast, may it be in the new life and freedom given by Jesus and His grace. Let's look at verses 14 through 16. As for me, God forbid that I should boast about anything except the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. Because of that cross, my interest in this world died long ago, and the world's interest in me is also long dead. It doesn't make any difference now whether we have been circumcised or not. What counts is whether we really have been changed into new and different people. May God's mercy and peace be upon all those who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. Now going clear back to our very first week in this study, remember what a proud person Paul was. He was the Pharisee of Pharisees. He was the most learned. He sat under Gamaliel, the highest, most respected teacher in the land. He was so proud of his heritage, so proud of his studies, so proud of who he was as a Pharisee. But then something happened. God got a hold of his heart and softened his heart and changed him. And that's what happens in the life of the believer. There is a shift. There is a change. Priorities are different. What we used to be, what we used to boast about is different. We realize that it's not all about us, but it's about God and his amazing grace. And as we learned earlier in our study that Paul, being the Pharisee of Pharisees, was changed. And he realized that he didn't need to boast in his study. He didn't need to boast in who he was as the Pharisee, but he could now boast of who he was in Christ. He was proud that he followed Jesus. So I asked the question, are we proud that we follow Jesus? Will we boast in the name of Jesus? You know, I believe there should be a sense of pride in the fact that we are believers. He is our salvation. People need this salvation. The world is desperate and in desperate need of this salvation. If we are ashamed of the cross of Christ, do we truly understand what it is Christ has done for us? You know, Jesus said, if you are ashamed before men, I will be ashamed before my Father. You know, I'm sure many of you have seen the, the NOTW stickers, the not of this world sticker. What does that mean, not of this world? Well, I had a couple thoughts. One was that I'm not here to store up treasure on this earth, but to store up treasure in heaven. That I'm not concerned with what the world thinks of me, but rather what God thinks of me. You know, as we learned uh, a few weeks ago, don't be persuaded to give away your freedom in Christ, as I've already referenced. I, I talked about how Paul was addressing the people and saying, are you, are, are, are you more worried about what the person next to you thinks? Or are you more worried about what God has to say? 
you know, we need to have a, a heaven mindset that earth is not our home, but Christ has gone before us to p- prepare a place for us, that he's going to come back and take us with him. But does that mean that we disengage from the world around us, that we are no longer a, a part of what happens here on earth? And I would emphatically say, no, we are still part of this world. We are just not of it. We are not motivated by the same things the world is motivated by, and we don't react the same way the world does. This is where I might get a little uncomfortable. Um, But take our political climate right now in this country. Whether you are pro-Trump or pro-Biden, Democrat, Republican, whether you're for the welfare state or freedom, whether you believe in global warming or not, This political season, there there seems to be so much at stake. Some would say that we are doomed no matter who we vote for. Some would say that if I vote for Trump, it's we're moving into tyranny. If I vote for Biden, I'm going to move in. I'm going to lose all of my freedoms. Each person, each party makes the claim that their leader is better. Here's what I have to say. I'm not going to tell you who to vote for. That's your decision and that is your right. And I will not stand here and advocate for one or the other. And that might make some of you angry. But I want to reference something that I think we've lost. You know, when George Washington finally agreed to be president, they were trying to make him a king. And he did not want to be a king. He wanted to be a servant of the people and give them a republic where the government represented the people And worked for the people. And he set this standard of what a president should be. Now we fast forward to 2020 and I think something has been lost. It seems everybody is power hungry. They'll say they'll do whatever they can to get this power. You know, this country was built on Judeo-Christian laws. And there was a trust and a dependence on God. The men that God used to found this country were humble not power hungry, and they wanted to serve the people. Now, the United States, she has her flaws. She has her scars, and she has some shame in her past. This country was not perfect when it was founded, and it is not perfect today. But I will argue that there is no better place on earth to live. There is no better beacon of freedom and hope in this world. I will not tell you what to do because I am a firm believer in self-governance. You are responsible for you. You make your decisions. God has given you the freedom to choose what you want. And I think that this year it is plain as day the difference between the candidates. One believes in self-governance while one believes the state should take care of you. One thinks that those in charge know what's best for your life while the other believes that you do. While both claim that God influences their life, one's policies seem to say it louder. When you vote, and I encourage you to vote this year, vote the values, the principles of God. Not because you hate one political person or party, but vote for the candidate that shares God's values and your values. Pray that God's will be done, because regardless who the next president is and what happens, There is one truth that will never change, 
and that is God is on the throne. And He is in control, and He has a plan. He has a will that He is working out. And we need to trust our King with what He is doing. As hard as it might be to see or swallow, He is our God. And He is working out His plan. And it is our job as believers, as Christians, to promote God's kingdom, the kingdom of God, and, and put our reliance on Him. I say all these things to say we, don't, we shouldn't put our trust in men and in governments. Our trust needs to be in God, in His Son. It is only in Him that we will find the freedom we seek. Earthly freedom, it can be taken away by a tyrant. Or it can be given away by a people that don't know what they're giving away. But spiritual freedom cannot be taken by a human. It can only be given by one person. This is why Paul says that this is why he boasts in Christ. This is why he boasts in the cross of Christ. It is Jesus who offers true and complete freedom. It is only Jesus that can make the blind to see, the deaf to hear, the lame to walk. It is only Jesus that gives strength for weakness, peace for fear, and rest for weariness. Paul is telling us, don't put your hope in the things of this world. Put them in Jesus. Let the things of this world die to you. Concern yourself with the things of heaven. Some of us boast so loudly of our political party that that's all we know about you. Paul reminds us that our boasting should be in the Lord Jesus Christ. That is why I will say if we should boast, may it be in the new life and freedom given by Jesus and his grace. If we should boast, may it be in the new life and freedom given by by Jesus and his grace. And why is that? Well, Paul says, what counts is whether we really have been changed into new and different people. May God's mercy and peace be upon all those who live by this principle. They are the new people of God. You see, who we are in Christ should be evident of who we are. Our character matters. And if we live under this freedom found in Christ, we are the new people of God and with that comes the blessing of God's mercy of his peace in closing my friends I close this series this sermon with this if we can be a church that will grab hold of these 11 principles that we have learned we will see change in our personal lives we'll see change in our community it won't be easy It'll be worth it. If we allow the Holy Spirit to empower us and lead us to bear the fruit of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control, we find ourselves boasting in who Jesus is. We will see God use us in powerful ways. To go back to my high school team, we put in the work. We sow it into the program. We sow it into each other. And I do believe that God honored those prayers. It wasn't easy at first. We hit hard times. We didn't see the results. We had played years together. Years. We didn't see the fruit of all of that work until the end of my senior year of high school. So what am I trying to say? It could be the same thing with us. We can sow into our community, into our lives, and it may seem like nothing's happening. It might be days, it might be weeks, it might be months. I pray it's not years. 
But it might take some time. It might take some toil. It might take some grit, some sweat, some tears. But God, just as I encouraged you last week, that if we don't give up on doing good and doing good to one another, in due season, we will reap. In due season, we will see God do something. But we need to stay faithful to him, faithful to his principles, faithful. And then we won't boast that we did it. We will boast that God did it. We will boast that it was because of him, because of his grace, because of his love, because of his mercy. The glory will be his and it will be given to him alone. Because if we should boast, may it be in the new life and freedom given by Jesus and his grace. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your people and I thank you for your word and the principles that it teaches us. I pray that it would get hold and, and embedded deep into our spirits and into our minds and to who we are. That, Father, that at the end of the day, we boast in you and what you have done. I pray, Father, that as we take these principles of sowing into who we are, sowing into our communities, standing for truth, standing and loving one another and, and all the people that come in contact with us, whether it's in this church whether it's in our workplace, whether it's with our families, in the grocery store, that we would be the light and the salt of the earth, that we would be the ones that would proclaim you, boast in you. We ask, Father, that in due season we will see a harvest of people come to know you and know the peace, know the grace, know the love of Jesus. Because only in that name is there freedom, is there peace, is there hope, is there strength. Help us, Father, to not grow weary in doing good, but to move forward with your empowerment through your spirit. We bless you. We love you. We thank you. It is in Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. All right. I love you guys, and I thank you for being here. Uh, we start a new series next week. It's going to be good. And uh, don't forget, in the back, sign up for our Trunk or Treat. Uh, we have life groups happening. We'll have a little more information on that coming up. But I thank you for being here. I can't wait to see you next week. I love you guys. God bless.